In this episode, we talk about the social media sensation, First Lieutenant Austin Von Lechman, better known as Mandatory Fun Day. We laugh about the common struggles as we have as mil members of the military and explore how to bring attention to the Army programs. And most importantly, we talk about the role of social media in the profession of arms going forward. We have a professional obligation for the ethical application of, uh, of force. You can have a growth mindset where you're always achieving for better. This is about us, about our guard, our reputation. We are all in this together. Outthink, outmaneuver, and outfight. Yeah, if you wage war, do it energetically and with severity. This is the only way to make it shorter and consequently less inhumane. All right, so I'm welcome back to the uh, the Ray, Raven Report podcast. I'm Chaplain Sanders, and I have a very special guest uh, today who is not uh, the Raven Three Major Josh Brown, but instead is First Lieutenant Austin Von Lechman, who is also known as Mandatory Fun Day. Mr. Lightman or Lieutenant Lightman, go ahead. Yeah, that works. I appreciate it. All right. Yeah. So, um, so give us just kind of like the 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 Lightman saga, like how you go from because you were enlisted first as an MI dude, right? And then you went it went to um, you became an officer, and then somewhere along the way, you started making fun of the army, and we all love it. So, so just tell us the <laughs> <laughs> tell us the story. Yeah. Yeah, so honestly, I'm glad I'm glad you um, posed it that way as well, because I definitely I definitely don't want to come across like I'm disparaging the army or disparaging the military or anything like that. But yeah, so I'll start at the beginning. I enlisted in the army in 2012 as a 35 Fox. So I was an all source intelligence analyst. Um, I was stationed at Hood, I was stationed at Lewis, and then I was stationed at Sill. Um, I commissioned through OCS. You know, I earned my degree while I was on active duty. Um, and I, you know, earned my degree through units that were almost constantly in field problems. So for anybody out there listening, you can do it. I promise you, I did it. I barely graduated high school and I still went to college and I figured it out. Um, but yeah, so I commissioned and, you know, about seven months ago, I started posting to TikTok specifically. Um, and then over, you know, time I've post started posting to, um, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube as well. And so it's kind of just grown and it's yeah. been a lot of fun. And I, I put, or I make fun of the army less than I make fun of really just crappy leaders, uh, to be honest with you. Um, you know, there are some situations that we face in the military that are just kind of inherently funny when you really stop and think about it. Um, but really what I'm poking, trying to poke fun at is, you know, counterproductive leadership. Right, right. Well, I think you do a really good job of it. I mean, like there's, there's every time I see your, one of your videos, I can like put a face to what's going on there. You're sitting there being like, oh, <laughs> this slides off or whatever. I can remember this old colonel that had like this witch hand and he would sit there and like poke and like, and I'm just like, oh yeah, like, yeah, I've, I've been there. I've seen that. So you're definitely hitting a chord <laughs> for sure. So, yeah. Uh, so uh, what'd you get your degree in? It was sports and health science. Interesting. Yeah. So with a, 30, yeah, like a concent concentration in exercise science. Okay. Yeah. So uh, why did you, why did you go that route? You know, fitness is something that I've always been pretty passionate about. Um, you know, I got, I actually started out my college journey, um, earning some personal training certifications. And after I had earned three of those, um, through the same format that people go to college online, I was like, why am I not just getting a degree? And so right. I started you know, actually going to college um, and I, I just, I worked through that through specialist sergeant and staff sergeant and three duty stations. And I just nugged it out slowly and uh, I got it done. Um, I'm going to switch majors for my master's. I'm going to be pursuing clinical mental health counseling. Um, okay. You know, because fitness is something I'm super passionate about. But to be honest with you, like people in the army do not care at all if you have credentials or anything like in the fitness industry, like they just Everybody in the army, for the most part, thinks that they're a personal trainer. So it's kind of like pointless. Right. Uh, it feels it feels it feels very like defeating when you're like trying to give people input and they're just like, yeah, whatever. And I'm like, all right, well, fine. But, you know, I found more my passion is helping people make breakthroughs. Um, and, and counselors have done that for me and I want to do that for others. Um, and so that that's kind of why I want to pursue that route. Right. Yeah. No, that, that's super cool. Um, man. Yeah. So like you, you mentioned that like you're, you're doing your, your, uh, your degree while you're in the field, what was that like and how'd you overcome it? 
Yeah. So, you know, I had to get, well, first off, uh, the last unit I was in, um, you know, I worked my ass off and they, they really appreciated me um, and they showed that appreciation. And so they worked really hard with me to make sure that I could get everything done that I needed to. Um, but there were times when I was using a Wi-Fi puck out in the field to, to do stuff. Um, there were times when it was raining on me and I was under a poncho, like tapping away on my phone, you know, because my school thankfully had an app that you could do some stuff from. Um, it wasn't perfect, but, you know, I could do my forum posts and stuff like that from it. Um, and then I just had to plan, you know, if we were going out for the field for three weeks, I had to figure out what assignments were due during that time and do them ahead of time or, you know, figure out just, I just had to figure it out, you know, and that's going to look different for everybody. I went to AMU, which is a really military friendly school, obviously American military university, um, you know, but you just got to figure it out. Really. It's what I would tell people. Right. No, uh, you're, you're speaking my love language, man. Cause like, uh, so I got my, my bachelor's degree too, while I was enlisted. So I came in like PB2, whatever, and then did the whole thing. So that's through two different deployments. Um, my GPA wasn't great. I, whenever I commissioned, I had to write a memo to uh, the president of the board about why I'm a terrible student. And I was like, well, it's you kept sending me to war zones. You know? <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, it's super cool that, that uh, you know, to have, people like yourself that it kind of like, you know, they can showcase that you can actually, uh, you know, still take advantage of what the army has to offer you and, and, you know, pursue bettering yourself. So that's awesome. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, so, yeah. So um, what, what led you to, uh, to become an officer? Um, really? So really every single time that I've had, um, you know, gosh, how do I word it? When my life has been incredibly challenging in the army, it's always been because of an officer or an officer could have intervened. Um, you know what I mean? Like right. commission officers are the decision makers. Um, they're the, the planners. They're the ones that have the greatest organizational impact, um, you know, the earliest on in their careers. And that's kind of where I felt like I belonged, honestly. Um, and also there's a really, really hard um, adherence to tradition and the way that we've always done things in the enlisted corps, which is fine in certain scenarios, but it's really frustrating for a person that thinks like I do. Because like tradition and the way that we've always done something is not a factor when I'm thinking about how to solve a problem. If right. the solution, if like, if we have a problem, obviously what we've been doing hasn't been working. Right. So we need to like figure out a new way to solve that problem. And I, I totally recognize it's a very broad general statement, but that's genuinely how I feel. I've always been an outside the box thinker. I've always been somebody that wanted to push forward, you know, um, I've learned how to manage it, but I would much rather push forward and have somebody be like, hey, let's bring it back just a little bit, as opposed to, you know, not going enough. Uh -huh. um, and, and, uh, and so I, you know, I wanted to be an officer because officers get to solve those problems. Officers get to um, tackle those things. And, and I also feel like I have a really good attitude now. And I, I feel like a lot of service members' biggest problem is their own attitude um the army has its fair share of problems for sure um but but and I, I i'm speaking to myself my past self with this as well you know a lot of people's issues just straight up their own crappy attitude um you know uh, and at least that's what i think no no I, I think you're um you're right like uh always like that uh Oh, Pirates of the Caribbean line is it's, it's like the problem isn't the problem the problem is that you're the way you view the problem or something or your attitude yeah. about the problem There's yeah a lot, a lot of truth to that yeah 100%. so um okay so uh you were a 35 fox which is interesting because uh in our state we have a a, a need for 35 uh foxes uh, so I kind of want to yeah. dig into that a little bit like you know we're like where do we find those guys um but then also uh you know you branch MI right yeah yeah so um, was that kind of just a natural tra you know, transition for you? You're like, well, I already know the world or whatever, or um, I, I guess would speak to your, your decision-making paradigm with that. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, honest to God, like as a staff sergeant, 35 Fox, like the job that I'm doing now as a like first lieutenant, it's like the same thing. I just get paid more for it, honest to God. Um, <laughs> and some, sometimes I work a little more hours, but uh it's the transition is just so seamless 
as a 35 Fox specifically, I'll tell you, I was not an expert on everything in the basic officer leader course in Bullock, mm-hmm. but I, I had seen every single thing that we did at least once, like nothing was totally unfamiliar to me. Um, and so that that's part of the reason why I chose it. I am really passionate about Intel. I think Intel does a lot of amazing things for the army um, and for the military, like when we do it right, or or I shouldn't really say that because I, like, I don't like saying when we do it right or making statements like that. But when we apply some effort, I should say, intelligence can have a massive impact. Right. Um, and so that's why I chose it. Uh, I would have been just as happy in, in most other branches, I think, um, just because of my attitude. But I wanted Intel. It was familiar to me. Um, you know, the next ones on my list were like logistics, I think, and then ADA stuff like that. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so you, you commission and then, uh, you start, uh, posting uh, TikTok videos. What, what kind of led you to that? Um, you know, I, there were a lot of reasons why I started posting. Um, I've always been, you know, I, well, I like to think I've always been a funny guy. Um, <laughs> I've always kind of been the class. I enjoy making people laugh, um, but I really the military content that I started creating, because I started off creating, you know, parenting content. Um, I think I did things about fatherhood, um, fitness, stuff like that. The military stuff that I did is what really stuck. Um, and I I remember my, I want to say my 27th video that I posted on TikTok, 26 videos didn't do anything. The 27th one I uh, pretended like I was an NCO again, you know, and I was like, hey, sir, we got a new NCO coming in. He's got a master's degree. He volunteers. He uh, he won some award. He won the soldier of the month, whatever, yada, yada, all these accomplishments. And then I, you know, cut and I go to myself at a different angle, as I do in many of my videos. And I go, hmm, what's his runtime? time? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That video got like 70,000 views within the first 24 hours. And, and that's what, that's what really, um, I mean, that's when I knew, you know? Yeah. yeah that's I remember that one. Do. Was that like your first uh, viral video? Yeah. So tech, I mean, it was my first big one. It was not, I don't, well, within the military community, maybe you can consider it kind of viral, but yeah, it was, it was my first big one. I think it's at, I think it's at 70,000, somewhere between 70 and 100,000 now. Um, but yeah, that that was the first one that I did that was like, they did pretty good. Yeah, I remember that one. I also remember the DTS one. That probably goes down as as my favorite one to, to watch. That was what I was re-watching while you guys were, you know, talking talking on the text signal thread. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I got to say that the DTS one does, it, like it hits home because I think I spent about an hour a day on DTS, just try like somebody's yeah. like, well, here's this random thing that that you didn't have, or you had the wrong box checked, or whatever else. And I'm just like, okay, well, now I have to go through this whole rigmarole to try to fix uh, this one thing, you know. That's it. It's, it's a problem that a, everybody has. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I honestly, I think that that's why I've grown the way that I have. You know, in seven months on just TikTok, I've amassed just under two hundred thousand followers, um, and. and I think part of the reason why that is, is because the experiences that we go through in the military um, to include every branch of the military and our NATO partners, because I get messages all the time now from like, you know, other guys in NATO. Um, But I I think the experiences that we go through are are so similar. Um, And I really try hard to weave in themes of empathy, um, if that makes sense. Like, I want people to know, like, we as leaders see this stuff and we are just as frustrated by it as everybody else, you know? Yeah. I think that's a, that's a good message to send that it's just like, it's not because I, so like as a chaplain, I get to talk to like everybody. Right. So I get to hear the, the brand new E1 all the way up to your, your, you know, like highest echelons of, of commands, even, you know, beyond uh, battalion commands. And um, you'll see that the same, same themes, same problems from different perspectives. And the youngest guys were always like, well, it's the command that's all screwed up. And I'm like, no, dude, like, <laughs> like this is like a, a whole other thing. They're dealing with yeah. the same problem just in a different way. And they, they just don't see it because they don't ever get a chance, you know? So it's, it's yeah. cool that you're leveraging that. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Um, I was in a unit at one point where the commander actually started pulling guys in, you know, junior troops into his office and being like, what are your frustrations? And, and he boiled it every single time he boiled it down to there's a lack of communication. Yeah. 
Yep. And so he would literally write up on the whiteboard, um, like everybody from their first line leader to him, right? The whole chain of command and the NCO support channel, right? And then he would say, where do you guys think the communication breakdown is? And they would generally point at the command, right? And so then he would pull them into command and staff or the training meeting. And they would be shocked that we were talking like, like months out. You know what I mean? Like with the training stuff. And it's like 90% of the time, it's a first line leader issue or, or a squad leader issue. Um, And and it's, (laughs) it's a little frustrating, you know, because I I was, uh, I was an E5 and an E6 and I try and have empathy, but I also know like what your job is to do. And your job is to communicate, right? And just telling people like you don't know is not acceptable. It's very frustrating. Um, and it, and it, quite frankly, when you're brand new, you're like 18 years old, you just left home and you're a private, it can be terrifying. Um, you know, when they're like, when you're like, hey, what are we doing for the next couple of weeks? And your leader's like, I don't know. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, especially if you have like a, a family, a wife, you know, she's asking or, or a husband, he's asking what you're doing. And then, I, I don't know, I, I'll get off my soapbox here, but you guys get what I'm saying. No, no, um, like, I mean, so I actually done um, just here recently. So I, I like anybody that's in uh, the, the Dark Rivals knows I send out like a morale surveys on a regular basis. And there's yeah. Google Forms that, that I can aggregate data. And uh, we have been focusing on trying to figure out like, what's the, like, where's our communication breakdown? And so it's really cool to hear you say that because what we found was that like, I, I kind of gauge like, how much do you think, like, how much do you trust the battalion commander? How much do you trust this guy all the way down to their squad leader? And what you saw was like almost a linear, uh, like, you know, uh, degradation of trust and communication the 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 higher up it went and they like that squad leader they trusted them even more than their team leader so like that that dude right there becomes like the linchpin for communication that if you really want to get a message out that's who you go to because that's right. who all the guys trust you know so it's cool to hear you basically kind of affirm that yeah so. yeah communication is like our biggest struggle in the military in general um and and it sometimes you don't sometimes you actually don't know you don't know what's going on um, but most of the time it's as simple as asking a question, um, you know, and, and it's, it's important. It's important for you guys. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's, um, so like, uh, what was the reaction that, um, that like your first line leaders and, and everybody else to, uh, you making these videos? Cause I, I would imagine that at some point there's some like full birds and they're drinking his coffee and he's like, who's this guy? And like, Oh, he's one of my men. Like, and next thing you know, like, uh, you know, you're, you're going to have some sort of reaction. Yeah. Um, so really the, the reaction was good. I mean, um, it's, it, it's kind of funny, like my, uh, my chain of command, some of their spouses, you know, follow me and find my stuff really funny. Um, it, it's, it's been a really good reaction, um, you know, up to some pretty senior leaders in the military or in the army specifically. Um, I think that they recognize that I keep things professional. Um, I'm not disparaging anybody. And I have a hard line rule where I'm not going to make content about what's going on in my own unit. Leaders should be able to make decisions um, without fear of repercussions on social media. And and if something wild did happen in a unit was that I was in, I know the resources that I have available to me to try and, you know, um, address that, you know, but so that, that, that is a hard line rule. And I've communicated that with my leadership. Like, Hey guys, if you see a video and you're like, Oh, is that about what we've done? It's not like, I just, I will not make content about the unit that I'm in. Um, yeah. And, and really I can't think of, I can't think of a single time and I have almost 2000 videos on TikTok now. I can't think of a single piece of content that I've made specifically directed at, at any specific unit. Um, it, it, and again, again, I think that is, has lent itself well to me because, you know, since it's so broad and so general, everybody's experienced what I what I talk about. You know what I mean? Everybody's experienced standing around in a formation for three hours because some dude forgot that he set the formation time. You know what I mean? <laughs> like everybody, everybody's dealt with that. Um, everybody's dealt with having a supervisor that was just genuinely a jerk. Um, and so hey, that that's why it works, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Like that, it's kind of interesting that like um, the more the more videos that, that I watch of yours, it's just like you're basically uh, commentating on my military experience <laughs> you know, at, at different <laughs> times, different people. So that's yeah, pretty, pretty cool. 
yeah, I yeah. think a lot of people go that way. Uh, what's been like, um, what have you learned through doing all these videos and stuff? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, I mean, I've learned that for sure the number one biggest frustration for junior troops is a lack of communication. Um, I've learned that we pretty much all struggle with the same general things. Um, and I've learned that junior troops want to feel a sense of purpose. And when they don't, that's a huge uh, burden on them. Um, and, and it's funny because that communication piece is tied to that, right? Because, and don't get me wrong, sometimes we do things that don't make sense. And sometimes we do things for no reason. But that is not the case in, in most scenarios. Like, even if you don't understand why you're doing something, what you're doing probably feeds a lar larger picture. And that's what we need to communicate to junior guys. Like, hey guys, our section is doing this because that section is doing something else and that section is doing something else and it's all building to this. And it's just not getting down to the E4 and below level. And so they feel that what they're doing has no purpose. And like that, that's a nightmare for them. Um, I, you know, I've, I've, I've learned that. And then I've also learned that we as leaders have a massive impact in, in encouraging people to use resources. And we can tell them all day long, you should use AER, you should use EBH, you should use whatever resource. But really what will get them to use it is us being transparent and talking about the times when we've had to use it, right? Like I talk about seeing counselors all the time in a lot of my content. I think on every single podcast, I've talked about it. And it's almost like junior troops see that as a green light. And I don't mean to be disparaging or like, or like uh, come across as insulting to junior guys. But I think when they see somebody who's more senior than, than them using something, it's like, okay, this is good. This is okay. Right. Yeah. Um, and so that's a big part of the reason why I do that. Um, Cause I've had a lot of people message me telling me like, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm going to go talk to a counselor now because of, you know, something I saw you made. Right. Yeah, that's awesome. Like, uh, I'll as I say, speaking to the purpose uh, piece, um, whenever I was so uh, I was at Fort Drum, uh, we were about to the, the deploy to Iraq, and uh, it was during the surge. So this was kind of like uh, they had decided to kind of break the glass, come get us, and so we were actually out on block leave, anticipating that we were going to deploy later on. They can't. Uh, they they call they recalled us from leave early. We get there and they're like, "Hey, look, uh, we're gonna we're gonna you know surge in, and this is what it looks like." And our our company commander actually sat down with all of us is all the pilots, everybody, and, and kind of drew out a map. Like, look, this is why we're, we can't come in. This is what's going you know, to happen. This is where we're likely going to go. This is the desired end state and stuff. And I remember, like, I will never forget. That's like one brief that I will never forget because it was for the first time somebody ever actually sat down and was like, this is what you're doing and this is what you're for. And it, it had a massive impact on me. And so like, yeah. it's awesome to hear you say that because it, it really does make a huge difference. If you just simply just communicate like this is where, why we're doing the thing that we're doing. You're not just standing out in the rain for no reason. So, yeah. Yeah, no. And, and I get it. I have been a leader in the military now for, I mean, coming up on seven years, I got promoted at like the four year and four year and 11 month mark. I want to say I made, I think corporal, um, and then obviously I made Sergeant E5, Staff Sergeant, and then I commissioned. And so I get it. And I very much feel like a lot of people in the military, um, they feel like we do so much that adding one more thing is just kind of like, oh my God. You know what I mean? Like, because right. we do a lot, you know, we ask yeah. a lot of our service members. Um, but this is, this is something that we have to take the time to do. Um, cause you're going to get better work out of people when they understand why they're doing stuff. And I think that especially the millennial generation and younger, like we are the people of why the generation of why, like we want to know why we're doing something. We want to know what the purpose is, you know? And so I, I don't think it's good or bad. I think it just is. Yeah. Right. No, I, um, I think, I think you're, you're spot on. And I've, I'll say like as a, as a chaplain, that seems to be one of the things that I spend a lot of my time doing is just trying to like bridge that communication gap. Um, because you'll be out there standing next to a striker in the rain and they're just like, why are we here? And I'm like, well, let me tell you why we're here, you know? And, um, uh, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> Y'all have those, uh, um, challenges too on uh, active duty. Oh yeah. hundred percent. I don't know if they fixed it, but push rod failures in strikers was a, was that thing. 
when I was right. stationed at Fort Lewis, like we would we would be going out to the Yakima Training Center and there'd be 27 push rod failures on the way out to Yakima. Um, oh, I, I get that's a that's a good uh, Major Brown question. <laughs> Nope, nope, I'm good. The trail of tears <laughs> is something I don't have to deal with anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, uh, um, we we definitely have our share of uh, maintenance challenges and stuff. But I, it, a striker is just like a helicopter. It's like you got to like basically baby it every every day, or it seems to like you know grow problems. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so you were at uh, Fort Lewis for a while. Yeah, yeah, I was stationed there for about three years. Oh, okay. What'd you think of the uh, of the area? I didn't mind the area. Um, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of the Pacific Northwest. And I say that as a, as a, somebody who grew up in the Pacific Northwest, I grew <laughs> right. up in Oregon. Um, oh, okay. But I'm, I'm not a huge fan of like the weather specifically. It's just, it's always raining. Um, right. and it's always, it's always kind of dreary. Um, but, you know, Fort Lewis itself is not bad. And there's a lot of cool opportunities there. Um, you know, for sure, they've got Ranger Battalion there. They've got, I want to say they have an SF group. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got 160th, um, and I think that they stood up an SFAB there. I'm not 100% yeah. sure on that. I think that they did. Um, yeah, they do. We, we worked with them ahead of our NTC rotation before we went to Poland, Brandon and I, a few years ago. So, uh, great group of folks. Yeah, and so there's a lot of cool opportunities there. Um, I'm really, really, uh, I mean, it was, it was a good place. Um, the unit I was in had a just hellacious op tempo. And so not looking to go back to that, but, <laughs> you know. Anytime soon. Well, there's always the Washington Army National Guard. That's what I was getting at. Like, hey, come yeah. on. <laughs> have you heard of the AGR program? I have. Yeah. I've yeah. heard it's the Army's best kept secret, honestly. Best kept secret. I'll let you in on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In all seriousness, like, like you, should, uh, you should look at it, come over there uh, with us. Um, what part of Oregon did you grow up in? Uh, right outside, well, right outside Portland, um, Tiger, Tiger Twalton area. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, we have, we actually have an armory right there in uh, Vancouver. Well, the brigade doesn't, but the Washington Guard uh, does. That's um, cool. So funny. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, so uh, we know you like to, you like to work out. Uh, what else do you like to do? Yeah, so in, in my spare time, um, I do jujitsu. Um, I try and get, you know, one or two classes in a week. Um, you know, sometimes it's not feasible, but I train as much as I can. Um, and then I like to do a lot of reading. Um, I, I love, uh, I'm actually making my way through a series right now called Awaken Online. And it's like super nerdy, um, but it's really good. And then I, I like my professional reading too. Um, I'm reading the hundred year marathon right now, which is a great book on, um, on China and, you know, just a lot of stuff that has to do with their culture, you know, the way they see things militarily, stuff like that. Um, and then other than that, you know, go to church and spend time with kids, spend time with the wife. And that keeps me pretty busy. Yeah. Oh yeah. And you got like a pile of kids too, don't you? (laughs) Yeah. I got got four (laughs) (laughs) kids coming out every, every door. Uh, yeah, okay, so like that's a, that's a lot to go on. So, um, we just had you know who Brad Marvel is? No, I don't. Okay, so he's a he's Tradoc G2, he's a senior China research analyst, I think. Um, oh, he, was, he was just on basically kind of talking about the same thing about um, the uh, the way that Chinese culture basically informs the way that they view the military and then the way that they view us. It's interesting that yeah. you're reading a book, book on that. You said it was a hundred year marathon. Yeah. Yeah. What, like, can you give us kind of like an overview? What, like, what do you think about it? Yeah. I mean, it's really good. It's really interesting. Written by a guy named Michael Pillsbury. I want to, I believe the author is Michael Pillsbury. Um, but he was, uh, he was like a, I mean, he was in a, an advisor to quite a few presidential administrations on, you know, China specifically, um, and he's been privy to a lot of information that the average American and even the average military guy is just not, because um, right. China militarily values like deception um, and values like espionage. Um, they are not Americans kind of brazen and bold and big and loud, and China is just not that way. China is very comfortable, um, at least appearing to be small and weak, um, right. and uh, and they have no issue 
um, <laughs> actively trying to deceive, especially other military superpowers. Um, and they, they did for a long time. And that's kind of what the book outlines. I'm only about 70 pages into it, um, but been a really good read so far. And it's something I highly recommend, especially in the times that we're living in. Yeah, no, that, um, like uh, anyone that knows me knows that I'm always looking for the next good book uh, book recommendation. And uh, and most of the people in our, our brigade are, are pretty voracious readers. So like uh, they'll, they'll really appreciate that. Um, yeah. Where do you go to church? Our, so right now I'm just going, um, there's yeah. a, a place in town called Cadence um, in Copper's Cove. And so that's where I've been going. Um, and so I, I really like it there. It's a, you know, non-denominational and it's just got a good, like, like family atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we were going to a church for a while in um, Oklahoma. And after a couple of years, my wife and I realized, like, we don't actually know anybody at this church. Like, we're just kind of faces in the crowd. And so we wanted something a little bit different, a, l- a little bit more intimate. Right, right. Um, so, like, you kind of come from, a, like, a non-denominational background? Yeah. Okay, yeah. And so Major Branco is a non-denominational church uh, as well, uh, right there in, in Lacey, right? So, yeah, anyways. They, um, uh, so it's it, so they, they kind of you engage the the chaplain side of side of me uh the uh the uh it's interesting that that so like you have this this um pretty robust interest and practice in uh in physical fitness obviously because you have a degree in it and and then you're you're doing jujitsu and stuff which is pretty demanding and then you said like you know like on the mental side of things um there you know you're you're pursuing like counseling and you, you've, you've talked a lot about about that and then and so like in, you know, you're very active in your church as well um can you give us like your your opinion on like how how do all three of those like couch with one another and like um and affect one another yeah i mean yeah absolutely um, and i'm by no means an expert on anything spiritual um, and I'm, I'm not a mental health professional. It's just something that I'm very interested in at this point. Um, you know, I haven't, I haven't even started the degree yet. It's just, you know, I'm in the application process, but all of those things feed each other and they all fulfill a need, um, for us as, as, you know, humans, um, the stuff is important for obvious reasons. Um, you know, if you don't take care of your health, um, <laughs> your health will not take care of you. Um, <laughs> As far as mentally, you know, I feel like, especially when we're younger, it's something that we feel like we can ignore or not address, or maybe we feel like we don't need to address it. Um, But as you get older and you get more um, life experience and you experience more hardship or even trauma, those things build up. And because there's no physical presence of them or physical representation, I think that it's easy to not address it for people. Um, but all of these things are tied together, right? If I'm depressed, it's going to be really difficult to take care of myself physically or spiritually. Um, you know, if I'm spiritually starved, you know, it's going to be pretty difficult to, you know, have any kind of mental resilience because a lot, I feel a lot of people's purpose in life is derived from that spiritual side. And I'm not just talking about the Christian faith. Um, you know, I have my own ideas on faith and my own ideas on God, but that spiritual aspect of people is vital. I, I truly believe it's vital. And, and I, I really think they're all connected. And if you neglect one, um, I think that it will, that, that neglect will bleed into the others. Yeah. Yeah. Have you read the, um, the body keeps the score? Uh, I've heard of that book. I've heard yeah. of it for sure. Yeah. I'll tell you um, as a chaplain, that was a very hard read for me because it is, so accurate that like you get like for me it was like like he in the book he's kind of talking about like well this person like you know whatever and it's like this kind of like if you you don't have any experience with that it's very ethereal and like and and kind of like you know hypothetical um but like you know whenever you you sit through a lot of counseling and stuff like that it's like it it triggers like emotions tied to a very specific person and I, i as i was reading through that book i kind of like thought through i was like man like this book like 
gets it. Like, and for somebody who, um, especially like somebody that may be listening that is not in a, um, like a, a helping role, like a chaplain or a counselor or whatever, sure. just, you, you just want to like, you know, be a more well-rounded leader. I'd highly recommend that to just understanding people because it's, it's a, a really good and very accurate depiction of like how the body and the mind and the, that soul really kind of are in, intertwined. Cause it's just like you're saying that if you have, you know, a problem here, it's going to manifest in these, these other two in, in its own ways. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely that one to read. Yes. So, um, what, um, uh, what's it like, uh, being a, a, a father with all this stuff going on? Um, you know, yeah. Making sure that I'm, you know, making sure that I'm still prioritizing the kids is super important. Um, and I, I've come up with a pretty, pretty easy schedule to follow and the way that I record and edit and stuff just doesn't take a lot of time my content is fairly low effort um not trying to make it sound like it's low quality but it is fairly low effort I am literally recording myself talking to myself so (laughs) and uh in any other scenario that would probably make me sound crazy um but you know it is what it is and so thankfully I've kept it that way on purpose um, so that it doesn't have to take, you know, 6 million hours a week, because being a father of four, it, it's a lot, you know, yeah. and I, I definitely, if I at any point in time feel like it's taking away from my kids, you just won't see me post again. Right, right. Yeah. So do your, uh, kids, do your, do your kids watch, uh, watch your videos? Do they get a kick out of it? You know, it's funny. Uh, I just talked to my daughters last night and what I was talking to my oldest daughter and I was like, what do you want to do when you grow up? And for years, she has said she wants to be a YouTuber. And I'm like, I'm a YouTuber. And she was like, wow. And, uh, and so then she went to my uh, page and she was like, oh my gosh, dad, you've got so many videos on YouTube. And YouTube's by far my like smallest platform. I think I have 8,000 subscribers or something like that. Um, I couldn't figure out the uh, search engine optimization on YouTube, but I figured it out. And so now I'm doing better. Um, it's, it's finally starting to grow a little bit, you know, more similar to my other platforms, but yeah, that, so that was pretty funny. Now I told him, Hey, if you guys, you know, if I'm gone and you miss me, you can watch my YouTube videos. Oh, there, there you go. go. Yeah, no, it's funny that you're like, oh, I only have 8,000 subscribers. I will tell you, there's a whole battalion team trying to put uh, stuff out. And we have 995 su- subscribers. And until just two seconds ago, I was very proud of that. <laughs> no, no insult intended. Um, and, and you know, I'll, I'll after, well, after this is over, I'll give you guys some tips, some stuff that's worked for me. No, absolutely. I, I'll, uh, I'll take it. Um, like that's kind of like my big focus next month is trying to like uh, to reinvent our, our YouTube presence. So like, yeah, I'll, I'll take any, any tips that you got. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, yeah which is a good, a good kind of segue. It's like, um, um, how do you think that we should use social media like going forward just as a, as an organization? Because it seems like the army for years had, a, I remember when I went through Bullock, they're like the one way to get fired, social media. And then I was just like, well, you know, yeah, I don't know if that's the right answer. So can you speak to that? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, and it's kind of funny that you're, you're wanting me to talk about this now, because, you know, now there's some fairly senior people that want me to get in front of them and do some briefs and stuff like that. Um, but that, that being said, um, Pew did a, did a study about a year ago, um, I want to say last May, and right now 13 to 17 year olds, upwards of like 95% of them say that they're on YouTube a minimum of quote unquote several times a day, right? <laughs> and, and that study is fascinating to me because, you know, the guys that are joining the military right now, by the time they have progressed to like E5 and O3, those 13 to 17 year olds will be their junior troops, right? And so these, this demographic of people is saying that they are online all the time, right? So to say that social media is going to shape the way we recruit and mentor and coach the next generation would be a wild understatement. It's going to be crucial. Our ability to navigate social media and leverage it is, is, you know, it's, absolutely going to revolutionize how we do things in the military in my opinion um kind of funny uh my dad um after he was a pilot he started selling cars right he was a uh, uh car salesman 
Um, and he owned it. He owned his own dealership. It was fairly small. Um, but he started selling cars before the internet was like a household thing. Right. And over time, you know, the internet got bigger, computer ownership got bigger and it became a household thing. And then things like Craigslist popped up, right. The guys that were able to make that transition and start selling online. Those are the guys that are still selling cars. The guys that didn't make that transition don't sell cars anymore, or they sell cars for somebody else. Like, and, and I very much view social media as that for the army and the military in general. Like we can either get on board with this or it is going to crush us. Um, not that long ago, I made a video where I was running on a treadmill and I was wearing like a red tank top or something. Um, but I was talking about all the great things that the army's done for me, right? The army paid for my school. I have no school debt. The army let me give my GI bill to my wife. She's going to go to school, no school debt. I've had four kids, no medical debt. It's given me a great resume, yada, 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 rattled off a bunch of things. You know what I mean? And I don't say that to like pump myself up or make myself look good. I say that to illustrate the power of this tool. Mm -hmm. um, and so we, we got to get on board with this. You know, we got to learn it. We should, in, in the army specifically, we should be kicking the crap out of every other branch of service. Cause like all of the best creators online are soldiers. Yeah. Um, whether they're national guard guys or active duty or reservists or whatever, like, um, and no hate to the other branches of service. I don't get into the like crazy rivalry, but like all the big guys are all army. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's cool that, that, that you bring that up because I, um, we've had some success, uh, recruiting via Instagram ourselves. It's like not a week goes by that somebody doesn't hit our battalion up or my battalion up. Um, and basically say, Hey, look, I'm a pick an MOS. I saw your stuff and I want to be a part of a unit like that. So let's, you know, you know, come on and, and join us. And, and National Guard is a little bit different because like we're, we're more or less responsible for our own recruitment. Whereas in you know, active duty, you have like a whole apparatus that, that does that. Sure. It's, it's cool to see that like there's, there's starting to be some appetite inside, you know, the upper echelons of the army to kind of grab that tool and leverage it the way that, that it, it can be leveraged as you know, you've clearly shown. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, um, uh, do you have any tips for um, for units that would like to act, you know, leverage social media appropriately and, and effectively? Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, I would say, you know, continue like what what seems to be really big for units still is the standard army marketing where we have these like really, really high production value looking videos of like soldiers doing soldier stuff. Um, but I think the, the younger generation especially views it as a bit disingenuine. Um, it feels maybe superficial. Um, it's hard to make a connection. Uh, and so I would say getting leaders that are comfortable in front of the camera talking about like whatever it is that you want them to talk about and sending that message, I think is going to be really valuable for units. And I think um, it's very much still in line with like DOD policy. You know, there's nothing in DOD policy that I've read regarding social media that says like a captain can get in front of the camera and be like, hey, I had this family emergency. I used army emergency relief. And this is the great stuff that that did for me. Like, and you just don't see a lot of, you don't see units producing a lot of that stuff, kind of stuff. And I'm not sure why, you know, I don't know if it just doesn't appear sexy or whatever, but uh, like that, right. those are the kind of things that have worked for me, you know? Um, right. And so, yeah, I think um kind of maybe putting a face to the platform right getting some leaders in front of there and and making the platform something that's relatable for people is going to be is going to be important yeah no I, um we've been experimenting with that um you get two kind of like lines of effort that are happening one is uh we just needed content like you know part of that the struggle with the national guard is that you're only there you're only doing army for like two days out of the month so then the question becomes like okay well what about the other 28 days? Like, how do you connect with your soldiers for one? And number two is like, well, like, you know, where do we get the content to, to broadcast for those 28 days too? Because there's, there's nothing necessarily right. happening. So you have to be very strategic with the way that you do things. So one of the things we started doing is just um, grabbing soldiers. But, hey, man, tell your story. Just tell your Army story. Like, why are you a part of this unit? What do you what do you like about it and stuff? And that really seemed to resonate because – it's not like the PAO is like today in dark rifle history, like or anything crazy like that. You know, it's it's actual some like PV2 who's like, I don't know, I walked into this recruiter and like I have a friends now in this place or whatever. And you know, it's really kind of it seems like so unpolished, but you're right, like that that younger generation really gravitates towards like what is 
authentic and real. And it's likely yeah. because, you know, that they're in a, a, a information dense environment. There's so many stuff beaming stuff at them all the time to where it's like, no, this is nonsense. This is nonsense. This seems real. Like I'll, I'll grab all that, yeah. which I think is probably part of the reason why you've been so successful. Cause like, you're really honest. Like, yeah, this is retarded. Like we're, we're doing dumb <laughs> stuff. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, another thing I want to get into, um, you're, you are, to my knowledge, the only person that's really talking about what it's like to transition from the military into the civilian world. And, um, and that's, for me, it's a, it's a kind of a near and dear topic. It's like probably one of the hardest times in my life was that transition. Cause I went from like crazy op tempo in the global war on terror to working at a bank. And like, uh, I remember, uh, I was like out selling everybody in the bank and stuff. Cause I'm just like calling like, like crazy. And one of the people in the bank was like, well, like the manager's like, well, why don't you do, you know, stuff like, like Brandon over there? And, uh, and he's like, he's like, well, I don't know. Like, um, uh, like, you know, I had to go to the bathroom earlier and he goes, well, he never goes to the bathroom. And it dawned on me that I was like, oh, I'm not in the army anymore. Like, it was the first time it, like the switch flipped that like, this is like a whole other environment. And you really kind of capture that pretty well, uh, with, uh, all your different, uh, characters and stuff that, that you have is just kind of illustrating how different the army is than everything else. Yeah. 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 I mean, I enjoy doing that. I'm obviously still in, um, but just thinking about the way that we do things um, and thinking about trying to apply it to the civilian world is just like hysterical to me. Like <laughs> if you like got a job at McDonald's and like the, the store manager walked in and you were like, I'm loving it. You know what I mean? Like you just shouted it as soon as they walked in the room, but we do that. Like we do that in the army, you know, <laughs> yeah. and that, you guys just saw the making of a skit because as soon as we get done with this i'm gonna i'm gonna make that a skit tonight Um, (laughs) oh that's great yeah but so that (laughs) is really fun and then it's so much fun getting to show people represented and it's so fun seeing how excited they when they are represented yeah um the army is the biggest branch of service obviously and so i think a lot of people naturally when they think military they think army you know what I mean? Yeah. Because we're the largest and we have the largest network of veterans just by virtue of our size. And so when I get, you know, when I created that Navy captain female character, I got messages from female veterans in in every branch of service, but a lot from the Navy. And um, they were like, thank you. You know what I mean? Like, and I, and I also think that, you know, our our female service members and our female veterans, like, they, they deal with certain things that like guys just don't, right? Like I, I hear there's, they tell me all the time, like, you know, people will think that their veteran benefit is like their husbands, right? When they're the one that served. And so that is like, that's kind of heartbreaking to me too, especially as a, a father of four daughters. Yep. Um, so feeling like I get to represent women in my content a little bit is really fun for me in that way. Right. Well, yeah, I, I, um, you maybe lose the train of, oh, what's, so, um, was there a backstory to, uh, the raccoon? (laughs) Oh, yeah, the raccoon. Is that right? loves the raccoon and nobody's ever even seen the raccoon. Um, yeah, so, like, we, I started doing the veteran Tim skits and, um, oh, gosh, I want to say Corey. So it went Tim, Corey, and then Blake, and now Samantha. And I think it wasn't until Blake came around and Blake started like putting raccoons in like people's desks and stuff, like as a prank. Right, right, and right. I'm not sure where I got that. Like, <laughs> if you guys, for anybody listening, if you think that there's like any kind of deliberate planning in the script of these videos, there is not. Um, <laughs> so, the raccoon just came about because I just thought it was funny. Like, uh, I literally so thought. I was going to was... ask the inspiration on some of your characters because the dude with the glasses, you know, they're all <laughs> funny in their own way. But we're, I assumed you had met somebody like that along the way and, you know, personified them. Yeah. Right. So veteran Tim is a caricature of me. Um, I get very <laughs> stressed and I get very passionate and I wear my heart on my sleeve a lot. And it's something that I recognize I have to work on. You know, it's just me. It's my personality but I get stressed. Right. And I get stressed about wild stuff. And when I take a step back, I'm like, gosh, this probably isn't that big of a deal. Um, and then, uh, Corey was actually, so 
veteran Corey is a, their HR manager, right? Tim Blake and Samantha and Corey, he's the HR manager. And he is actually based off of an actual person who is a, who is an air force veteran. He works in an office of all females and hit one of his, you know, one of the people, one of the girls in his office messaged me was like, Hey, can you, can you make a character for my boss? Because he feels alone. He's the only veteran. He's the only guy. Can you help him out? And I was like, yeah, sure. Absolutely. And so I made veteran Corey based off of him. Um, Blake is based off of another, um, uh, decent size mill talker, um, who's a, who's a Marine Corps veteran. Um, and then Samantha is just kind of inspiration I've pulled from a few people. Um, Corey's a really fun one though, because a lot of the counsel you hear veteran Corey give in the skits is counsel that I have gotten from my mentor, um, whose first name is also coincidentally Corey, um, (laughs) But yeah, so it, it, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun. Right. So like you're, you're just kind of like uh, floating along and uh, you have these ideas that you're just like, I'm just gonna make a, a, a video out of them. Yeah, pretty much. Um, a lot, you know, I, I get inspiration from all over the place. Um, and so I have found ways to, um, I get inspiration from all over the place and I found ways to kind of recreate content in just different ways kind of filming you know the same ideas and a little bit different pay here and there and so it helps because I produce a lot of content I do six videos a day um and I have for a long time so that that's helped me a lot right right awesome yeah uh like I've often uh uh told people that like uh like you have 100% confidentiality uh with me because I'm a chaplain uh, until I retire and write a book about all, all these characters and experiences and stuff like that. Because, That's awesome. Yeah, honestly, like, uh, like you just hang out in the, in the military. There are some ridiculous characters that, that come along that, like, you, no author could ever write this in a book and stuff. And so, like, you kind of just pay attention to them. I bet you you probably see a whole lot of, like, really entertaining stories and, and people that you can kind of uh, highlight. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, so uh, we've been going for about uh, 50 minutes now. Is there, what, how can people find you and, and connect you? Is there anything that you're, you're coming out with or something that you would want to promote? Yeah. So um, I'm on um, pretty much every major social media platform, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, um, you know, and I'm going to start releasing merchandise here in the coming months. Uh, I'm going to try and do like at, at a minimum, something quarterly, like a hat, sweatshirt, t-shirt, something like that, you know, eventually I'd like to get to the point where I'm releasing something monthly. Um, and then I'm, I'm partnering with a couple of charities. Um, but really the biggest thing I'd want to promote is use the resources that the military offers you. And I know I'm kind of veering off course here, right? Cause this is yeah. not about me. You know, if you follow me on my platforms, that's great. That's support enough for me. But for those of you that are in the service, use the resources available to you. Like I want to say the DOD like uh, published a report last year and only like 67% of tuition assistance actually got used. Like, and and that's across the board, right? We just don't use the resources available to us. And then we complain that the military takes a bunch from us. Like you got to, you got to take back. Um, And so use tuition assistance, use AER, use everything, you know, use everything available to you. Don't be afraid um, to use something that the military has offered you. Yeah. that's, That's solid advice, man. Well, First Lieutenant Austin Von Lichtman or Mandatory Fun Day, thank you so much for being on the uh, Raven Report uh, podcast. Absolutely. Thanks a lot. This has been the Raven Report podcast, the official podcast of the 81st Striker Brigade Combat Team. You can find more of our content on Instagram at Cascade Rifles or on Substack or in the show notes.